0: All right, there we go, so welcome everybody hey let 's get into the Word of God. Uh, last week, we concluded a couple months series on jesus 's healing crusades. Did you all enjoy that i mean that was that was uh, I think very interesting, and we got to follow jesus through his through his uh, uh, three and a half year ministry of healing and doing miracles and so we concluded that last week and uh, remember the Scripture we used for several months on that, Acts ten thirty eight, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And remember, he, he used the power of the Holy Spirit, and he, he healed multitudes and multitudes of people, and, and it was just a good series. But, uh, you know, uh, we, we concluded Jesus' healing crusade last week, that series, but his... His healing ministry did not conclude. It's still going on. And uh, it, it continued after he was crucified, raised from the dead. All right. Now, after he was raised from the dead, we don't see Jesus actually healing people directly like he did in his three and a half year ministry, but we see him healing through his body. What I mean, his what I mean, his body through the church through his disciples, and uh, and we see him Jesus healing people and so forth through his body, and we will see it, and that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. Is we're going to go through the book of Acts, and just like we chronicle Jesus's. Healing crusade, you know, for his three and a half year ministry through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to pick up now and go through the book of Acts and see how Jesus continued to heal people through the, through the apostles, okay? And, and you know what? He didn't finish, uh, uh, healing people. Jesus' healing crusade didn't, didn't conclude after the last apostle died. You know, his his healing ministry has gone on down through the last 2,000 years. I'll say more to you about that as we get closer to the end of this series. But we've even seen his healing power here in this church over the last 25 years, you know. And some astounding things that that Jesus has done by the power of the Holy Spirit right here in this sanctuary. So Jesus' healing ministry is still going on. It's still just as powerful today as it ever was. But uh, like I said, what I want to do... And remember, you need to remember this. God healed people in the Old Testament. Healing didn't just start with the ministry of Jesus. God healed people in the Old Testament. And you see that throughout the Old Testament, you know. And, uh, but then when Jesus uh, came on the scene, you know, anointed with the Holy Spirit without measure, you saw, you saw just a, a, a tremendous amount of healings and miracles in His, in his ministry. But then again, you've seen uh, healing go on through the book of Acts and on down through the last 2,000 years. And uh, actually, uh, uh, we see Jesus' disciples flowing. in. The, you know, we talked about Jesus being raised from the dead and, and his uh, disciples uh, flowing in the healing power of God after he was raised from the dead. But we actually see... Uh, the disciples flowing in in uh, Jesus's healing power even before he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. Go to Luke, the ninth chapter, Luke, the ninth chapter and the first verse. The Bible says that Jesus called his 12 disciples together. Now, this was before he was crucified. This was during the three and a half year ministry uh, here on 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 the earth. He calls his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Power and authority. Two different Greek words there. The power, uh, he gave them power. That word power is the same Greek word that we see how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Exact same word dunamis is the Greek word. We get the English word dynamite from it. So so they had the same power. Uh, he 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 gave them the same power that he had, and the authority, the authority, and that's a different Greek word. It's a Greek word, exousia. But it, it, so so Jesus had the authority on earth, and the power on earth to heal people, and uh, and he gave that same authority and power. Uh, to his disciples right here during his earthly ministry. Now, it just comes to my thinking here. After Jesus was raised from the dead, remember he said all power, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. And the the word there is uh, authority has been given unto me. And then he turned to his disciples and he gave that power to them and he said, we'll read it here in a minute. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick. Remember that? But the point here is, is they were operating in this power before Jesus was crucified. And we see it here in Luke, the ninth chapter. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. You see that? To cure diseases. And he sent them, verse two, he sent them, notice, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, what did we learn when we uh, studied Jesus' healing ministry? The people came, what? To hear and be healed, right? And we see that same template right here, don't we? He sent his disciples out not just to heal. He, he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. But then he sent them out to do what? To what? To preach. To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, see? So that preaching is all important. Because it's that preaching that, 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 that when the word goes out, the hearer hears it, it builds faith in their heart. And then uh, remember, didn't we teach over the last many months how uh, uh, people that got healed in Jesus's ministry, the majority of them, he made reference to their faith. Their faith, their faith, and how does faith come? It comes by hearing the word, doesn't it? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that preaching is all important. That teaching of the word is all important. And so the disciples, Jesus sent them out, verse 2, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick so we, we, we need to understand that there's great emphasis put on the verbal ministry the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God and then the, the healing power of God will follow that and then verse 6 so they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel see preaching the gospel and healing everywhere so here we see he sends out his disciples his 12 disciples But then, uh, now we won't turn, but you can look in Luke the 10th chapter. In a similar fashion, Jesus sends out 70 disciples. Remember when he sent them out two by two? Remember that? And then eventually they came back. I believe it was this group, came back and said, you know, they were so excited that that the demons were even subject to him in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven, you know. And much we could say about that. But now let's go to Mark the 16th chapter and verse 15. Now this is after Jesus was, in fact, raised from the dead. Now he'd been crucified and raised from the dead. And Mark the 16th chapter, 15th verse... And he said to them, now he said to his disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, now let me just say this before I read on. In Mark, the 16th chapter, in in most Bibles, if you go up to around verse 8, like the end of verse 8 or the beginning of verse 9, I covered this with you before, but it bears repetition. Most of the early and reliable manuscripts do not contain... Uh, Mark verse, uh, Mark, uh, Mark 16, Mark chapter 16 verses 9 on down through the end of the chapter. Okay? But some Bibles, like the King James, New King James, include it. And some Bible scholars argue that Mark's, Mark chapter 16 verses 9 on down, some argue that it should be in the Bible. And some argue that it shouldn't be in the Bible. Okay? And so, what I always tell people when, when a controversy like this comes up, here's what you do. You, you do this. You read what's in, what, you know, you read the verses, like from Mark 16 verse 9 on down, read them. And then see if you can find those things elsewhere in the Bible that back up what you're reading there in Mark 16, because you see, if somebody says those verses shouldn't be in there, well, maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. So what you do is you read those verses, and then you go elsewhere in the Bible to see if you can, remember, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So, so you go elsewhere in the Bible, elsewhere in the New Testament, or wherever in the Bible, and see if you can back up what you're reading. Did you get what I just said there? It, it, it's just, it's just a good principle of Bible interpretation, you see. And so, I said that for what I'm going to get to here in just a moment. Look here in Mark 16, verse 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, I believe you can read, uh, you can find that in, in, the other go- in one of the other gospel accounts where, you know, when he, w- when he said all authority in, in heaven and in earth has been given unto me and he commissions them, you know, to go into all the world, you know, so we can find that elsewhere in the Bible, can't we? And then, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So we understand the Bible's clear that we're saved by grace through faith, through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can also find that water baptism is vitally important, but it will not save you. It does not complete your salvation. You need to be saved before you get water baptized. Do you understand that? So we can prove that from the rest of the Bible. Because if you just read verse 16 here, it would would just imply that, that you have to not only believe, but then also be water baptized to be saved. And that's not what the rest of the Bible says. The rest of the Bible says you're saved the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But then you need to go ahead and be water baptized according to the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 17, he says, now notice here, he says, these signs will follow those who believe. Now notice it didn't say just follow those who are apostles. Or just those who are prophets or just those who are evangelists or just those who are pastors or just those who are teachers. Or just the twelve, you know, the 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 twelve. Well, Judas, you know, he betrayed Jesus. But just the eleven apostles that followed Jesus there, you know, like Peter, James, and John, and so forth. It didn't say that. It said anybody who what who believes in his name is that right? And so these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. Well, do we see the casting out of demons elsewhere in the Bible? Yeah, we certainly do. So that's that. We we can grab a hold of that. In the name of Jesus, we have the authority and the power to cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. Do we see that elsewhere in the Bible? Well, sure, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit, you know, came, you know, and they all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance after they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we see the speaking in tongues all throughout the, 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 you know, the New Testament, and 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 it hasn't passed away. Speaking in tongues hasn't passed away. Healing hasn't passed away. Now, if you do just a quick skimming and reading, a skimming, skimming, skimming of the Bible, you know, skimming over the top, you can go in there and, 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 and some have done this, many have done this, and say, Well, you know, tongues have passed away. The Bible says they've ceased. Well, if you go in and do your homework, you'll find that that's not what that's saying. And you'll find that the speaking in tongues is just as much for today as it's ever been. You need to understand that just as much as healing is for today as it's ever been. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. So we understand with the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes the speaking in other tongues or new tongues. But you know what? I have another little take on this. And I think it's a good one. Is that when we get born again, we ought to speak in new tongues. And what do I mean by that? Uh, well, if we were a liar, we shouldn't be a liar anymore. If we were a cusser, we shouldn't be a cusser anymore. Is that right? If we were a gossip, we shouldn't be a gossip anymore. Is that right? New tongues, see? Uh, New tongues for a sinner would be they're not cussing anymore. Right? You ever think about that take on that verse? I think it's it's an interesting take, but the primary meaning of that verse, let me make myself clear, is when someone is, when a, when a Christian gets baptized with the Holy Spirit, see when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you get saved, you're going to miss hell make heaven, and the Holy Spirit takes up residency within you. But the Bible talks about a subsequent experience after you're saved, whereby you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and uh, you're overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, and then the initial evidence of that is you're speaking with other tongues, tongues you don't understand, Understand? You understand? You, you, you're, you realize what I'm talking about? And, and, and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then you get you begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. That's really what that's talking about. But I do think it's a good take that when a sinner gets saved, they were a cusser. They shouldn't be a cusser anymore. That that's that's just a little another, another little little take on that verse that that I thought would be helpful to you now notice in verse 18 these signs will follow those who believe in my name they'll cast out demons they'll speak with new tongues now verse 18 they'll take up serpents Whoa, whoa, take up serpents anybody want to take up serpents in here now so people have asked me that about uh, asked me that over the years about taking up serpents and that's where you, you ever see them snake handling churches that's where they get that from that's that's the one scripture they use to to have snake handling churches. Now don't anybody get nervous. We're not going to hand out the box of rattlesnakes here. So don't don't get nervous. <laughs> I have said this for years. I'll say it again. You bring a snake in this church, I'm going to get I'm going to get a garden hoe and have my wife kill it. You understand that? <laughs> but uh uh I remember when we were building this building, there was a neighbor back here who was bothering us, you know, that he didn't want us to build this, you know, this this church, you know, and he didn't want the property to be disturbed, he wanted it to just stay like it was before, and, and I was as nice to him as I could be, you know, and he's just aggravate me anytime he'd see me back at the fence line, you know, and and what kind you know finally the last question he asked me what kind of church are you building here anyway and I said well it's one of them snake handling churches if you see a rattle snake in your backyard just pick it up throw it back over the fence <laughs> I never heard from him anymore after that you know but I, I was just teasing with him no no now here now some people say that this has to do with with demon power but he already addressed demon power didn't he He already talked about that just just they'll, they'll cast out they'll they'll cast out demons so you see, I would argue that that verse shouldn't really even be in there. Shouldn't even be in there. But now here's the thing. When you look at it, take up serpents, that the Greek word take up can also mean cast away. So I'm for that. Let's cast away snakes. I don't like snakes. I, I, I heard somebody say this, the only good snakes is a dead snake. I'll, I'll say amen to that. But I do understand in the ecosystem, they do play their place. They eat rats and whatnot. I see a black snake outside over at my house once in a while. And I say, let's get the garden hoe and kill it. And Diane says, oh, no, no, you don't want to kill a black snake. You know, they'll eat the rats and the mice. So I do get that. But I still think the only good snake's a dead snake. One day we're sitting there and, and on a Sunday after church. We're sitting in our in our living room, our great room, you know. And we noticed outside there's a black snake in the yard. And we looked out. and We kind of watched where he went. And he went over and he crawled up in our in our barbecue grill. And, and so, so you know, uh, later that and and, and if there, you're going to have black snake in your barbecue grill, that's the way you want to find out about it. When you you know see it go in there, you know it's in there. You don't want to go out to throw a few snake. I almost said snakes on the grill. You don't want to go out there throw a few snakes on the grill and discover when you open the bottom thing up you got a big old you got got a big old 8 foot black snake laying there in your in your drip tray. That's not how you want to find out about it. So we found out the good way. So then later after the company left, Diane and I said, well, we need to go out and get rid of that snake. So we dressed up like Elmer Fudd, you know, and we put our we put our boots on and our gloves on. And she's not as afraid of them as I am, you know. But nonetheless, and I had my I had my hat, and my gloves and everything. And we went back, you know, down the little alleyway to the to the uh, 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 where the. Uh, barbecue grill is, you know, and so we took the cover off, you know, with the, with the hoe, I took the cover off, you know, and then, and then, and then. And and we saw something that we never thought we'd see in a million years. I saw something. We were so shocked and surprised. We we get back to that grill, and I take take the hoe, and I'm expecting that when I throw that lid up, that there's going to be that big eight foot black snake right on that grill. That's what I'm thinking, you know. But we saw the last thing that we'd expect to see when I threw that when I I throw that to (laughs) go. I threw that thing open, you know what I saw there was a little There was a little field mouse, a little mouse on that grill, and that mouse was just running around and it, and it came off that grill and i 'm trying to kill the mouse, you know it was that mouse's lucky day i 'm telling you it was because that snake and what that snake had done is it had captured that mouse somehow or another, and it was keeping that mouse up on top in that grill for food later on. <laughs> so that was a mouse's lucky day, man. He escaped the snake and my hoe. But then I, I told Diane, I go, oh, thank God that, that snake's not in there. And she said, oh, it's in there, all right. I said, what you talking about? And it was in the drip tray. And so I thought, well, I'm going to just rattle on this thing, and it's going to come flying out of there, you know, hopefully run down the hill or whatnot, or I'll kill it, you know. And so I rattle on a tray. It it, it it never came out. It just went deeper in, you know. And so we didn't know what to do, so we walked on down, did some other work, and we came back up about 15 minutes later, and there was about an 8-foot black snake. It was crawling away from the grill. It went right up the side of my retaining wall, and, and and I and I told Diane I said now if there's ever a good time to kill it now's the time to do it, and, 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 I, and she's trying to talk me out of it because they eat the rats and 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 whatnot and the and, and, and the mice and uh, and I was and I thought you know I was going to go kill it I thought better of it I thought well it's crawling off just let it go away. And so it went away and I hadn't seen it since. But I want you to know we did get rid of that grill, I'll tell you for sure. I had to get rid of that grill. I just couldn't eat any, any food off of it after that. But anyway, they'll take up serpents. So this word, the Greek word for take up there also means to cast off. Or, and so I'm all for that. Let's get rid of all the snakes we can. What do you say? And then if they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. So here's the thing. Do you see snake, before we get to that, let me go back to the snakes. Do you see snake handling anywhere else in the Bible? No. Do you see it anywhere else in the Bible? You look in the Old Testament, I can't find snake handling there. The best I can do is Moses. He he took his rod and threw it down, remember came a snake, and then and then he had to pick it up. I wouldn't want it had to have been Moses there, him or Aaron, one of them. They had to pick it up, you know, and then it turned back into the rod. Remember that? And then other than that, I don't see that in the Old Testament. I don't see it. And then you come over in the New Testament. I don't see snake handling. I don't see Jesus snake handling. I don't see the disciple snake handling. The best I can do is Paul, we'll get to it later on in this series. Paul, when he was, when he was shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta, remember that? He was carrying a bundle of sticks. How many remembers that? And, and, and he threw the sticks down in the fire. The serpent came out and bit him. Remember that? And he shook it back off in the fire, you know? I know. Have been shaking it too. How about you? And it didn't harm him. But you can't see snake handling anywhere in the Bible. So that's why I don't think that this ought to even be in there. You know. Be that as it may, and then it says, uh, "If they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them." If they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. Well, uh, do you find that anywhere else in the Bible? where the disciples were drinking poison just to prove they were believers. Do you see that in the Old Testament? Do you see it in the New Testament? Do you see it anywhere at all? I, I mean, I don't see that. I mean, I see over in the Old Testament where, the remember, there was death in the pot? Remember that? With one of the prophets, either Elijah or Elisha, I think it was. One of, one of them. And, and, and they, I believe it was Elisha, Eli, I think it was Elisha. Anyway, he told them to, I think it was Elisha, he told them to put something, something or other in the, in the stew. Remember that? How many remember that? And the, the, the 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 people came to him and said there's death in the pot the the stew was poisoned remember that and, well you ought to read it sometime over the Old Testament that, that somehow or another the stew or the the food they were going to eat were poison. now think about faith here now as poison so they came and they told I believe it was the prophet Elisha and he did I can't remember right now he did something he had them put something in it and and it was really what he had them put in and I have to go back and refresh my memory but it really typified the cross because we're all poisoned right but the cross of Christ is an antidote for sin. Is that right? Poison? But it's a great typology there. But think about it. He told them to put some or other in that stew, that deadly stew. And then he told them after they put they put whatever whatever it was in it, he said, now go ahead and eat it. Now, how many of you going to want to eat that? Takes faith, doesn't it? But they ate it well, they're totally fine. But you see, I can't see uh, eating or drinking poison anywhere in the Bible. Not at all. I don't see that. You know. Now there are some places where they'll drink. You know. Haven't you ever seen snake handling on on some churches on television? You know, when 2020 runs. You know, those are cults. You understand that they'll drink poison and uh, uh, some of those people get bit and, and die. Did you know that and they drink that poison and die? How many of you know Jim Jones? Remember Jim Jones all those years ago, back in the 70s down in Guyana? Remember that? And, and it was a cult, right? And they drank the Kool-Aid, and they all they all died. Is that correct? So you don't see you don't see drinking drinking poison anywhere to prove that you have faith. I tell you what, though, I, I I what I do, I do grab a hold of this verse, though. Whenever I go out to eat somewhere, I'll pray that if we eat or drink anything deadly, it'll by no means harm us. Now that's a good prayer to pray, isn't it? And my wife will tell you when I pray. Typically, now now typically when we eat out somewhere. I don't pray, I, I, when I pray at home, I usually just thank the Lord for the food because I know who cooked it, you know. But when we eat out, a lot of times I'll pray, I almost always, I'll say, you know, and if we eat anything, eat or drink anything deadly, it'll by no means harm us. You can say amen to that, can't you? Amen. I tell you, it makes me think of a story. Is it alright if I tell you another story? Uh, uh, I, years ago, I was with a friend of mine and we got done playing tennis and we were both just so hungry. And let me just say this, if you've eaten some of the places where I've eaten, you know, you need to pray this prayer before you eat, I'll tell you for sure. You know, and I've eaten a lot of good places over the years, but but I've eaten in some dives. I'll tell you for sure. We went into this one place. We just got done playing tennis, him and me. We went in, and we were so hungry. It was a Shoney's, and we were you ever eat at Shoney's. You know, I suppose they're a great great restaurant. But I tell you what, we, do they still have those around? I don't know. But we went in there, and we were both so hungry, him and me. And we, I mean, we could eat just. We were just so hungry. We sat down there, and we just we're just like shaking. We can't wait. We just can't possibly wait. You know, for the food to uh, to, to order. You you know, to order. And we're just, just we're just so hungry. And this, this waitress walks up and I'll never forget it. She looked like she bless her heart, she looked like she just drug herself up out of the graveyard, just out of a sarcophagus, you know. I'll never forget. It. It's been over forty years ago. Her name was Vesta. And I don't, never seen her before or since, but she comes up, look like she just, did, and we, both him and me, we lost our appetites just that quick, just went away, just, just, just went away, you know, just went away and, and we just excused ourselves and I still, I still remember Vesta overall. Vesta, if you're watching, I'm sorry, but it, you cost me my appetite there, I tell you what. But let me tell you, if Vesta, if Vesta ever serves you, you want to be sure you pray this prayer that if you eat or drink anything deadly, it'll by no means harm you. Can you say amen? <laughs> oh Vesta but- so you can't so so let's move on here now. <laughs> you can't remember a waitress that served you over forty years ago, but I'll guarantee it to you you'd remember Vesta. I tell you what <laughs> she came out of a sarcophagus, brother <laughs> I mean, I was so hungry, and I mean she walked up there and <laughs> And him and me, just the appetite just left. I mean, just like a bird would fly up off a fence post, the appetite was gone. And but let's move on here. Let's be serious now. And and they will lay now. Now watch this. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, do you see that elsewhere in the Bible? So, see, you can prove that. So, in this list right here, you can you can prove elsewhere in the Bible the preaching of the gospel. The faith in Christ to be saved, the importance of water baptism, the casting out of demons, the speaking with new tongues, the snake handling and the drinking anything deadly, you don't, you don't find that elsewhere. But you also see laying hands on the sick and they'll recover, and that's what we're going to center in on there, laying hands on the sick. So then verse 19, then after, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Now look at verse 20. And they went, now this is his disciples. He just commissioned them, gave them authority and power. And uh, they went out and preached everywhere. Notice they preached first. See, they preached. They preached first. See, the verbal side of, of, of healing. I mean, healing, you need that verbal side. You need the preaching of the word so faith can be built. We've already taught you about that. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Notice, who's doing the healing? It's the Lord, isn't it? The power of God. The Lord working with them and confirming the word, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. King James says through signs following, see? The signs ought to always follow the preaching of the word of God signs ought to always follow the preaching of the Word of God. That's one, 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 one thing that I've looked at over the years of Summit Church here, right here in Fenton, Missouri, is that the Lord, I, I know that I've been preaching the Word because we've had multitudes of miracles over the last 25 years, healings and miracles, absolutely. What is that? That's the Lord confirming His Word with signs following, see? Can you say amen to that? Absolutely the truth. Absolutely, the truth. I wouldn't want to go to the church where where there's never anybody getting getting healed and and touched by the power of God, because you see, one way you can know it's a New Testament church is that the power of God's in manifestation. The preaching of the word is first and foremost. Jesus is the central figure of the church, and from Him emanates the power of God, and people get healed and helped. Glory to God. See. And God has certainly confirmed the word here through signs following. And and he's been doing it for the last 2,000 years. Now notice, go to Acts, the first chapter, Acts, the first chapter, and the the, the fifth verse. Now, uh, uh, notice here, this is right before Jesus. And we'll just kind of pick up, actually, Acts, the first chapter, picks up right where Mark 16 ends off and where Luke ends off. I believe where Matthew ends off, John ends off, you know. With Jesus being raised from the dead, you know. At the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus raised from the dead. The disciples are commissioned and so forth. Jesus is taken up into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. So this is Acts' account of it. And it's actually Luke. Anybody know who wrote Acts? It was Luke, wasn't it? Now the Holy Spirit's the author, but Luke wrote the gospel according to Luke. And then he wrote Acts also. But notice here, Acts 1 picks up right as Jesus is being uh going gonna, to uh, uh, go back up into heaven, you know. And it says in verse 5 for John Jesus says John truly John the Baptist truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now Now these people were already they were already saved people you see They already had the holy ghost in them the bible says if any man have not the spirit of god in him he's not a child of god you understand that he's none of his it doesn't belong to the lord what happened remember when Jesus was raised from the dead before, before this right here, before he was taken up, you know, and ascended. Remember he walked into him and, and the disciples were gathered together. He walked in there, you know, the doors being shut and he, he breathed on him. Remember that? He said, receive the Holy, receive the Holy Ghost. How many remember that? You know, we have two two accounts, I believe, in the Bible where where God breathed in such a manner. The first was in the Garden of Eden, you know, after he'd formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life, you know. And then when God breathed again in this manner, was was found in the Gospel accounts, you know, after Jesus was raised from the dead and he breathed on his disciples and man was born again. Can you say amen to that? So these people already had the Holy Spirit in them, all right. They were already born again. But now he says, he says, John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that's when they were going to be endued with power from on high. They're gonna they already had the Holy Ghost in them, but now the Holy Ghost was gonna come down and set on them, and there's gonna be great power about them. They're gonna speak with new tongues and so on and so forth. Can you say amen? And verse eight, verse eight here, he says, But you shall receive power, and that word power is dunamis, dynamite power, when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Now let me just stop right there for a second, because a lot of times when you talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right away people start thinking about speaking in other tongues. And thank God for that, I'm all for it. Praise God. But here's the thing that doesn't get emphasized as it should. He says, you shall be witnesses to me. See, I think the initial sign of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is you become a soul winner you become a soul winner. Now I'm all for speaking in tongues and speaking in tongues is an initial sign but we put so much emphasis on the speaking in tongues I mean in charismatic circles over the last last as long as I've been around these things. So much emphasis has been put on speaking in tongues that while Christians have been baptized with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues the world's dying and going to hell. Isn't that sad? I said that's sad, isn't it? I said that's sad, isn't it? I believe the initial sign of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is you become a witness unto Jesus, you become a soul winner. Now, I also believe in the speaking with tongues. But you've probably heard it as well as me. The initial sign of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. Now, I believe that, but I think there's a sign before that, that that's even more important than that. And it's being a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say it again at the unction of the Holy Ghost. We've had Christians over the last so many, many, many uh, uh, years that I know anything about, they, they, they're, they're, they're speaking in tongues alright, speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues and I'm all for it, I believe in it uh, but, but the world's dying and going to hell well, I, I think that, that, that we ought to speak in tongues alright, but let's put, put great emphasis on being soul winners can you say amen? So you get baptized with the Holy Ghost to make a soul winner out of you and speak in tongues also are you all okay with what I just said? follow what I just said? Do you understand what I just said? But I've watched it. I've watched it over the years that I've been in the ministry and even before where where you got so many Christians they're speaking in tongues all right and I'm all for it. Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than y'all and that's all good and I speak in tongues every day. It's wonderful. Fantastic. But we ought to put more emphasis on soul winning than we do on speaking in tongues. Can anybody say amen to that? And really, there ought not even be a competition. But what I'm trying to say is, is that we ought to do them both. But there's been so much emphasis on speaking in tongues that you forget about soul winning. And that's really the most important thing when it comes right down to it. So notice it says right here, and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Praise God. So he sent them out. See, the healing power God didn't stop when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. He commissioned his church and... Uh, and sent him out to preach the gospel and heal the sick, cast out demons, so on and so forth. Now notice here in Acts, the second chapter, let's look at verse 40 here. This was right after Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Right after his sermon, he preached a, a humdinger there, didn't he, on the day of Pentecost? That was a good message that he preached. You ought to read it sometime in Acts, the second chapter. But in verse 40, it says this, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. See, they received the word, they got born again, then they got water baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Did you ever notice? Boy, I tell you what. Did you ever notice? Peter and, and the rest of them there, you know, that were in the upper room. Now, now watch this. It bears out what I just said. I've never really noticed this before. It bears out what I just said. Now they got baptized with the Holy Ghost. Is that right? They spoke with other tongues. I'm not minimizing that. I believe in, in the importance of speaking in other tongues. But right here, what happens? They get baptized with the Holy Ghost and they became witnesses, didn't they? And you got 3,000 people getting born again. Can you say amen to that? So let's let's speak in tongues. I'm all for it. But let's don't forget the being witnesses and winning people to the Lord, you see. And 3,000 people get saved. And then verse 42, and they, now watch this, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. Then notice fear came upon, a reverence. fear came upon every soul. And watch this, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So you see, uh, the healing power of God is in operation, isn't it? And then let's go to Acts, the third chapter, and, uh, let's, let's go through this lame man being healed, and we'll cover that, and then we'll, we'll, we'll unhook and then pick up next week with it. You enjoying this? You getting anything out of it? It's interesting. Now, notice Acts, the third chapter, in the first verse. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, I will tell you this, as you, as you read through the book of Acts, and, and, and you see it in Jesus' ministry, you know, is prayer? Prayer is so important. If you want the healing power of God in operation, you have to have prayer going on. You have to have a be a, uh, have a, have a, a prayer a prayer life about you. You see that with Jesus. Remember how again and again he'd pull a, he'd pull aside, he'd pull off by himself, he'd go up in the mountain, he'd go here and there to pray, get up early and pray. How many you remembers? You know he'd do that again and again. You know. And and, and, and and Jesus was a prayer. He prayed and prayed. He prayed to the heavenly Father, didn't he? And, and, and prayer produces power. Don't ever forget that prayer produces power. Prayer produces power. And Jesus, yeah, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. But it was that I believe it was that prayer, that dedication to the Father, that that kept that 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 power act active. You understand what I'm saying? And you see Jesus was a was 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 he was a a person of great prayer. And you see that with the apostles. You see that with the apostles they're, they're people of prayer. And we'll see it again and again as we go. They're going at the hour of prayer. They went to prayer. They're going to prayer. Going to prayer. And that's when you see the power of God. The power of God will follow the word of God in prayer. The the power of God will follow the word of God and prayer, you see. And uh And so Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So this went on day after day after day. People would carry him out there, lay lay him out there. He was lame. He was for sure, he was for sure lame. He was, he, he he couldn't walk, and he was out there begging for money, you see. That's how he made his living, I suppose, is just begging for money. Just he was a beggar, you know. And uh, and notice verse 3, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms. He asked him for something, you see. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Now this is a very, very powerful three words in the Bible. Look at us. You see, Peter realized, I'm convinced of it, that this... This lame beggar here had to get his eyes off of the negative, bad situation that he was in before he could ever be helped and healed, you see. All he could do is look at the the problem and looking at people, you see what I'm saying? For his solution. And as long as you're looking at the problem and you're looking at people to solve your problems, you're going to stay in that problem. He had to get his eyes off of his pathetic situation, sad situation that it was. I'm not demeaning the situation, it was very sad. But he had to get his eyes off of people being his source and get his eyes over on God being his source. And I believe that there was a boldness here Look at us. In other words, don't look at at the, 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 the lameness in your legs. Don't look at people passing by with money. Don't look at them. Get your eyes off them and look at us. You all right? But I got something even better for you than that. If you read this in the King James Version, Peter didn't say look at us. He said, look on us. Now, think about how powerful that is. Look on us. Look on us. See, don't look at us. Peter and John couldn't help that man any more than anybody else. I said, Peter and John couldn't help that man any more than anybody else. In and of themselves, there was nothing they could do in and of themselves to help that man. They really didn't say, look at us. They said, look on us. Why did they say, look on us? Because there was something on them that could help that man. You know what it was? It was the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. I feel the anointing when I, whoo, glory to God. Look on us. Look on us. Well, what's on them? The power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Spirit of God. That's what that man needed. That's the only thing that could help that man. Look on us. So I I don't like to read it, look at us. I like the way the King James renders it. I believe it's more accurate. Look on us, because the power of God's on him. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. See, he's still looking, wanting wanting some money. Then Peter said, because we know he's looking for money, because here's what Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. Now then, you have people come in there who don't know the Bible, who just skim the surface, and they'll take that line that Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, and they'll preach a poverty doctrine that we should never have, preachers should never have anything, believers should never have anything. We should be like Peter. We should have no silver, no gold. That doesn't line up with the rest of the Bible. What he said there was, I don't have any silver and gold on me at the time. Now you know as well as I do, he could have went down to the temple where they were. The people were coming in and laying all of their uh, money and whatnot at the apostles' feet. How many remembers that? He had plenty of money. He could have went down to the to, to wherever they were staying. You know, and he could have got Peter could have got the guy some money. That wasn't the issue. He said, silver and gold, I do. In other words, I don't have any money on me right now. Has anybody ever asked you for money and you just didn't have any on you, you know? Maybe you left your wallet at home, you know, and somebody asked you, could you, could you give me five bucks or whatever? And you say, well, I don't have, I don't have any money. Well, that doesn't mean you don't have any money at all. It just means you don't have any on you at the time, right? And that's what happened here. I'm convinced. Silver and gold, I do not have. Well, he didn't have it on him at the time, but watch this. But what I do have, now this is what you want to grab a hold of here. What I do have, What did he have? He had the power of the Holy Ghost. What I do have, I give you. Glory to God. Now watch this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Glory to God. Man, I feel the anointing on that. It's a power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see. It's the power of of the, the Holy Ghost goes into operation when the name of Jesus is used, you see. There's nothing Peter and John could have done in and of themselves, but they weren't in and of themselves. They had the name of Jesus. They had the power of the Holy Ghost, you see. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And then watch as he took him by the right hand. Sometimes you have to help people along with their faith just a little bit. You see it, you see it uh, 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 other places in the book of Acts where you have to help people along just a little bit. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. See, he had to help him along. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, helping him out, helping his faith a little bit. Sometimes our faith needs a little bit of help. What do you say? And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Can you say amen to that? Glory to God. See, there's a power of God in operation. So he, the layman, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Shouldn't it be that way when somebody gets healed? Amen. And not only should they be walking and leaping and praising God, but everybody around that witnesses it ought to be praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened to him. Boy, I would be too, wouldn't you? And now, as a lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? Now watch this. Now this is what a real man of God will do when, there's a, when, when, when somebody gets healed under their ministry. They won't draw attention to themselves. They won't take credit for it themselves. There's no man, woman, boy, or girl that can heal anybody in and of themselves. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus' power. You understand that? The power of the Heavenly Father. And so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power, our godliness, we had made this man walk? See, he's not going to take any credit for it. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and, did not, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. That was Barabbas. And killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And verse 16, And His name... That's the name of Jesus. Through faith in his name has made this man strong. Whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So it was the power of God in the name of Jesus. Heal that guy. Glory to God. And people were rejoicing. But guess what happened? True to form, we saw it in the ministry of Jesus. When he'd heal somebody, what would those religious people do? They'd get all upset about it. And true to form, you know what Peter and John, you know what they did to Peter and John as a result of this healing miracle? They arrested them and put them in jail. Isn't that sad? But, glory to God, God delivered them. Amen. Well, this is a good place to unhook. Did you get anything out of this? I trust you did. Hey, uh, let's all stand. Stand with me if you would, if you're watching on social media. And you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to get saved. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So call out to Jesus, cry out to Him, receive Him as your Savior, and you'll get saved. You'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, and He'll make your life worth living in the meantime, all right? If you need healing in your body, just cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I receive my healing. I tell you, just that quick, the Lord will heal you. Okay, so glad you joined us today, and we'll see you again next time. God bless you, and bye-bye.